In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning reading here in verse 7, it reads, And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he would comfort you, he told his earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind, you hold on to that mind, we're going to get to there if we get to that part of the lesson today. So that I rejoice the more for though I made you sorry for a letter, do not repent. I'm in the wrong place. How have I done this? Somebody help me with the thorn in the flesh. Where, 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 what, uh, huh? Second Corinthians 12. Oh, yeah, it is 12. I'm reading in verse, I've got 12 wrote down. Well, I'm in a mess this morning. Second Corinthians chapter 12 and in verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Paul speaking. The messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure. We're talking about the thorn in the flesh. Look at verse 8. For this thing, this thorn in the flesh that was never clearly revealed unto us. Many Bible scholars and preachers and missionaries and everybody else has tried to come up with what this thorn in the flesh is. And I've heard a lot of good things of which it could be or may not be. But this thing we're not clear on. So I'm going to leave it alone. Okay. However, it says, for this thing, the thorn in the flesh, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, that is God, said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, with Paul speaking, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. We talked about that word in the last lesson, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Paul sought the Lord three times, okay, about this thing, about this thorn in the flesh. And I want to tell you something. I think God didn't tell us what it was so that we can all realize that we have a thorn in the flesh, that we have a thing in our lives. And whatever it might be, just like whatever it was in Paul's life, he asked God three times, can you take it away? But yet God said, don't ask me for that anymore. That's what he stated. God insinuated this, that it seemed improper to even ask. Think about that. God said, don't ask me that anymore. My grace is sufficient and my strength will sustain thee. Don't ask for that anymore. That is basically what he implied. That is what he insinuated. And we're talking on this point right here this morning about for we know not what we should pray for. Point number one, our weaknesses exposed. We think we're good Christians. We come to Sunday school. We'll be at church in the worship hour. Most all of us, I'm assuming, will be back tonight. Most all of us will be back Wednesday night. We're going to support the missionary. We're going to support our pastor. We're going to pray for our friends that go through tragedy. We read our Bible. We study. We pray daily. We're strong Christians, right? But yet we have a weakness. And our weakness is being exposed in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. For we know not what to pray for. Paul was praying for a thorn to be removed. He was praying for a thing that was in his life. And he was praying, oh God, fervently to remove this thorn of flesh. And God said, don't ask me that again. You don't know what to pray for. We have a weakness. We have a weakness because we don't know what to pray for. And we can't help it. 
But God told him, he said, my grace is sufficient and my strength will be perfect. I, I want to give you another example in my own life. And I'm sorry I talk about myself all the time. And I say that all the time. But I am me and I live my life. And that's all I know. But I remember praying one time for a, for a series of years. I prayed for a couple. A man and a woman, his wife. I prayed I mean, they were shipwrecked. They they couldn't get along. They were they were up and they were down. And I felt sorry for them, Pastor. And my heart was burdened for them. And I prayed daily. So help me, God. I prayed daily for that couple. But you know what? I didn't know how to pray for them, Kenny. I I could. So you know what I did? I said, God, you know this situation between this and this. And and God, just just have your will. I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know if they should be together. That sounds terrible for a Christian, you know, home. But I didn't know. I did not know how. I mean, they were in a mess. And at some point in my human mind, I thought, them two people don't even need to be together. This is terrible. But I wasn't going to ask for that. I wasn't going to ask for God to put them together, keep them together, separate. God, only you know. I don't have a clue. I don't know what to pray. It's a weakness. That Christians have. God is exposing this weakness in Romans 8.26 that we do not know what. I did not say that we don't know how to pray. That's not what I said. God tells us in His Word how to pray over and over again. And I'm going to get into that in a minute. God is not telling us that we don't know how to pray. There's all sorts of instructions on how to pray. But you do not see instruction on what to pray for. Go study your Bible. It's not there. I've looked and I've looked. I've looked behind other men. It does not tell us what to pray for. And God is telling us in this Word that Christians have a weakness and it is being exposed that we know not what to pray for. Because see, Pastor, you, you've got a uh, you've got a motive when you pray. You, you really want this to happen for your child. It may not be God's will for that child. You really want this to happen in your ministry, but... That may not be what God wants to happen. You don't know what to pray for. We do not. We know how, but we don't know what. We don't know what we are in need of. We think we want more money. We think we want better health. We think we want a nicer house. We think we want a a larger congregation. We think we want a better facility. We think we want a great pastor. We think we want to support more missionaries. We think we want... Are you getting where I'm going with this? We don't know what we're in need of. This is the Christian's weakness. Christian's weakness. For we know not what we should pray for. But then there's three more words that gets in the way of this thing. And it's as we ought Not only do we know not what to pray for, but we don't know what to pray as we ought. So we looked at this word ought in our studies. I'm going to break it down simple. In the language, in the way that it is used in this verse of Scripture, according to a very special man, much more knowledgeable than I am, it comes to this. How we should pray proper the proper way we should pray, the duty that we are to have as Christians, 
But this is the most important one. And this is what is used in this text today. And I spoke on this in our last lesson because we spent a lot of time on the mind as we ought. This word ought in the expression of which it is used is the condition of the mind. As we ought. That is the condition of your mind when you are praying. As I mentioned, Pastor, you have a motive. We ought to. That motive. Oh, I want to see my child. I, I want to see this. I, I want this for them. I want this for my spouse. I want this for my parents. I want, I want them to be happy. I want them to be. But God's word said, not only do you not know what to pray for, you don't even know the condition your mind should be in when you pray for these things. As we ought. So oftentimes when we pray, we have a condition in our own mind and there's own motives that we want to that we want to see happen. And we pray in that state of mind. And sometimes we spend hours in that state of mind in prayer and we'll beat the floor and we'll cry and we'll be in the secret place and we'll we'll speak fervently and with and adamantly towards God for this state of mind that we're in. But God said, I'm going to expose the weakness of the Christian. Not only do you not know what to pray for, you don't even know the state of mind in which you should be praying in. That's almost discouraging. I've had many situations in my life that I didn't know how to pray as I ought. I did not even know the condition of the mind. Meaning this, I didn't even know what God's will was. Oftentimes we pray for things that aren't even God's will. And that's okay. Because it's a weakness of ours. We all have weaknesses. And God says this is the weakness of the sheep. This is the weakness of our flock. This is the weakness of the Christian. It's natural. How can we know the mind of God? God's Word told us that His ways are not our ways and His thoughts are not our thoughts. So what I'm telling you, you've got a weakness, Christian, but it's okay. It's a weakness that's okay to have. I'm going to help you with something here in just a minute. God's will. The only ought that we know is how God told us to pray. And I can sit here and flip through it. At least 25 verses of Scripture, and this is what we find. Oh, how to pray is sincerity. It's humility, desire, faith, fervency, perseverance. But there's three that I want us to look at. First John chapter 5. And maybe I shouldn't turn here. If I'm going to finish today, I don't know. But I've already said I'm going to take my whole time slot anyway, so. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. I'm going to try to start hurrying. And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything well, according to His will, He heareth us. According to His will. Turn with me please to the Gospel chapter 14. Gospel John chapter 14. And in verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do that my Father may be glorified in the Son. Here we find that we ask in His name. In First John, we saw that we should ask God in His will. If you're making notes. And now we find that we should ask God in His name. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12 and in verse 12. And I, I'm hurrying because I, I, I got a lot to cover. 
I don't want to get called out this morning. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. I'm not bitter about that either, by the way. It just seems like I am. Romans 12, 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Not only do we find that it should be His will and His name, that it should be consistent, it should be constant, according to Romans 12. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4 and in verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Here we find that it should be steadfast. We find in God's Word over and over again instruction on how to pray. But I'm talking on this first point of our weakness being exposed is we don't know what to pray for and we don't know the state of mind to be in when we pray. I'm not giving you my words or my opinion. I'm giving you the words out of God's precious book this morning. Our weakness exposed. We in our flesh are not capable because of this weakness. Maybe this is the thorn. Maybe it's your thorn. But we in our flesh are not capable of knowing what to pray for. We spend a lot of time in prayer not knowing what to actually pray for. So we've talked about our weakness Exposed. Now I want to speak second point on our strength revealed. Aren't you glad that there's something bigger than our weaknesses? <laughs> as weak as I am, as bad as I am, our strength revealed. We find again here in our text, Romans 8 verse 26. We spoke the first week on Likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. We just had one big old point on, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. And we said that was not knowing what to pray for and not knowing that state of mind to be in when we pray. To me, Deke, that just sounds like, well, this is a losing battle. If I don't know what to pray for and I don't know the state of mind I should be praying in, then what? And how in the world is this thing going to get accomplished? I'm fixing to prove to you that something is bigger than your weakness. And let me remind you this. It's not because of you when you pray. We're talking about our strength revealed. Let's look at the rest of this verse. But the Spirit itself. Mm, it don't come from no other man. It don't come from a psychologist, a psychiatrist. don't come from a doctor. It does not come from your mentor. It does not come from your pastor. Not The missionary's not going to do this, okay? It's not going to be your spouse. not going to come from your granddaddy, your grandmama that, you know, that, that read the Bible to you and taught you all these things when you were a kid. not going to come from them. But the Spirit itself. The Spirit. And there's something different than that Spirit if we want to get all up into depth than God Himself. Don't, don't, don't take them out of context, but you, you'll start feeling this thing if you ever really get it. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession. The Spirit itself maketh intercession. The first thing I want to talk about here is this intercession for us. Now, I want you, if you're making, I want you to write this down right here. I want you to put this in your mind for just a second. M-I-N-D, mind. The intercession has to do with the mind. Number one, sub point A here. 
guiding our minds to a suitable petition. That's what intercession is. What is intercession? Intercession is prayer. Okay? Uh, intercession is a petition. This is what interceding on the behalf of. And this all has to do with God guiding our minds to a suitable petition. Look at verse 27. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. I just told you, you don't know what to pray for. You don't even know that state of mind. But the intercession that we read here in verse 26, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession. It is making your mind suitable for what God wants to happen. That is good stuff. Only the Spirit itself can do such a thing. Only the Spirit. And so we see here that God is guiding our mind to a suitable petition. Second thing I want you to note here, I'm, I'm going to make this thing if I can stay on target. here. Not only is it guiding our minds, but it gives corresponding affections. I told you that, that my heart, it hurt yesterday for this families. You just don't know. It hurt me. That is the Spirit. I'm telling you, that Spirit gives corresponding affections. The, the Spirit making it, this thing's deep. I'm telling you, this, this Spirit is making things happen in your body to get you to a place where you can pray Amen. the way God wants you to pray. Amen. I'm telling you, this thing's bigger than I ever dreamed it was. The Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. Intercession is guiding our minds to a suitable uh, petition. It gives us corresponding affections. You find yourself on your knees and you, you're, you're calling out to God and all of a sudden God just welling this thing up on you and the tears begin to flow and you, you pour your heart out to God. We don't know what to pray for. But yet that Spirit's making their says, guiding our minds, give corresponding affections. Thirdly, it gives intense holy desire. It gives intense holy desire. What is that? What is holy desire? I want to tell you, it is that which no words can express. That's intercession. Holy desire. That which words cannot express. I remember when God rearranged my life. Just messed me all up. Man, my mind was going crazy. I didn't even know what to pray for. I started out praying for something else. And before it's all over with, I found out I was praying for myself. And it took six months for God to show me interceding on my behalf to get me to pray for the right thing. Holy desire, that which no words can express. And through all of that, Come out the other side. God's will has been revealed. You know what I said? I said, I know without a shadow of a doubt that God has put me where He wants me to be. Amen. Though I may fail, I will fail in God's will. I know 
Words cannot express. I had a desire all of a sudden to do the thing that God wanted me to do. And maybe God called you, I'm assuming, in this place. And we're going to find more out about that today. But when that happened, you cannot put into words how that desire came about to be. It was something that God did working intercession in your life and your wife's life. And you just can't even describe it. But I know. Did you get an email? Did you get a telegram? Did you did you get that handwritten note? Did you did you get a text message? Did you get a Marco Polo? Did you get something? No, you didn't get that. It was God making intercession, yes, the Spirit making intercession for you, yes, and you just know. Yes, sir. That's words true. cannot express. That's right. mm. So, having said all of that, the Holy Spirit. According to this intercession, the Holy Spirit influences our desires. When God changed my path, I had no desire to go down that path. I did not want to go down that path. I did everything I could do to keep from going down that path. God sent me down that path. He interceded on my behalf. And now it is the strongest desire of my heart. So the Holy Spirit influences our desires. I gotta hurry. Second thing I want to note underneath our strength revealed, not only is the Spirit making intercession for us, suitable petition, corresponding affections, holy desire. I want us to look at the, the next uh, phrase here. The Spirit making intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. With groanings which cannot be uttered. We look at this groanings and uttered here. I said in this first sub-point here that we were talking about the mind. And now in this phrase, we're going to change gears and go to second gear. And we're talking about the heart. Intercession has to do with the mind. Well, there's a lot about the mind in verse 26. So we're talking about the mind with the intercession. When we get to the groanings and the uttering, we're going to, we're going to be talking about the heart. I'm going to tie the two together. Bear with me if I can hurry. So basically, if you take groanings and uttered, this is what, this is our interpretation for the beginning is unuttered groanings. We're going to marry those two words and it's unuttered groanings. I told you a few minutes ago, we don't know what to pray for. But yet that Holy Spirit is making intersection, intercession and is making unuttered groanings. That's what we are doing. I always thought that's what the Spirit was doing. But that's what we are doing. Unuttered groanings. Groanings and they're unuttered because we didn't know how to, we, we didn't know to pray that way. God said, God said in two lines before, you don't know what to pray for. So now the Spirit is going to make intercession. And it's going to make this unuttered groanings on our behalf. Look with me, please, in Romans chapter 8. Go back up to verse 22. I'm going to finish this thing. I'm going to finish. i got 10 minutes, 11 minutes. We're going to hurry. Romans 8, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Let me help you. Right here, we're looking at the unbeliever's desire. Verse 22, we're looking at the unbeliever's desire. So what are you talking about? We see that every creature, 
Is every creature on this earth born again? Absolutely not. The Bible says that broad is that way. Narrow is the other way. Broad. But this is every creature, Pastor. Every one of them. That's all of mankind. All of mankind what? For we know that the whole creation, everyone, groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. We see that every creature is groaning to be delivered. What this means is that the whole creation realizes that they have no hope. No hope. Think about them. I told somebody on the phone last night. Uh, we were on the phone talking about the situation and we, we were sharing our burden with each other regarding it. And, 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 and me and this, oh, I just enjoy talking to this lady. She's been a mentor to me some through the years. And, and we, we, we began to talk about this thing and, and boy, how our heart was aching. And we said, I just don't know how people without Christ can make it through things like this. How do they do it? Let me tell you one reason why they hurt so bad because they have no hope. And we find here in verse 22 that the unbeliever, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain because they have no hope to be delivered. You see, you can see groaning on someone when they don't even tell you that they're groaning. And there's been times in my life I can look at somebody and go, man, they're struggling. They're hurting inside. They haven't told me that. They didn't send me an email telling me. Nobody else told me that. I look, you can see groaning. And we're looking right here in verse 22 at the unbeliever's desire. The unbeliever's desire to be delivered because they have no hope. Now let's go to verse 23. If you think I'm taking this out of context, 23 is going to clear it up for you. And not only they, not just them unbelievers now, but now we're going to look under this subpoint as the believer's secret groaning. You can see the groaning on those unbelievers. You see it. But on the believers here, I I don't see groaning. We're fixing to discover the believers' secret groaning here. Watch this. Verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves, the believers. See, I told you I wasn't crazy. But ourselves, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, the saved, the lost don't have the fruits of the Spirit, but the saved do. So we're talking about the saved people here. Even we, he said. Not just the lost people, but even us. I love God's Word is so clear at times. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves. What are we groaning for? Groaning for what? We've got everything we need in Christ. We've got the hope. We've been delivered. We've got what the unbelievers do not have. What are they groaning for? What are you and I groaning for? And don't even realize it. God's Word's fixing to tell you. Waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body when we can be with Him. It is a secret groaning. Kenny, you don't know it. But as a believer, you're groaning inside. You're groaning within yourself to be like Him and to be with Him. And to be in His kingdom. And to spend eternity with Him. Dick, you don't realize it, but you're groaning inside. It's a secret groaning that goes on in the life of a believer. Unuttered groanings. Man, bless my heart. I hope it blesses you the way it blesses me. 
we see the believer groaning for adoption. That is to go home. Look at Romans chapter 8. Let's go back up to verse 15. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Look with me, please, and i got to hurry. Ephesians chapter 1. If I beat you there, I want to start reading it before you do. You can listen. But Ephesians chapter 1 and in verse 14 reads this, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. We have an inheritance. We have an adoption, if you will. I'm going to turn over another book to Philippians. And in Philippians chapter 3 and in verse 20 and 21, it reads, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body. This is what your secret groaning is all about. That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things. To himself. The believer's secret groaning. The secret groanings. The secret desires combined with affliction proceed only from the Holy Spirit. This, my friend, is the intercession regarding the unuttered groanings. But the answer to all of this is in our text, Romans 8. We've studied verse 26. We've read 15. We read verse 22, verse 23. I've studied the whole book. I've read behind men on the whole book. And we've come up with this. As in the previous lesson, He is helping with those infirmities. Greatly assisting. And then we read and studied the first half of today's lesson on that we don't even know what to pray for. The Christian's weakness exposed. We don't know what to pray for. We don't even know how to pray as we ought. We don't have the mindset to pray for what we should. And then we looked at this intercession on guiding our minds and giving corresponding affections and then that intense holy desire and then we looked at the, the unuttered groanings. Now we're going to marry every bit of this and we're going to tie every bit of it together in verse 27. And he that searcheth the hearts, knowing what is the mind. If you'll remember, when we started talking about our strength revealed, I said the first half was the mind and the second half was the heart. The intercession being the mind. That's where we find suitable petition and corresponding affections and, and holy desire. And then in that groanings uttered, we saw that that was the heart. And verse 27 ties it together. It marries it. It says, He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. Why? Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The heart and the mind equals knowing. And you know what? You don't get to control the mind or the heart to get to the K-N-O-W-N-O. 
only the Spirit making intercession is capable of doing those two things. And marrying them two together and letting you know, K-N-O-W, the perfect will of God. Blesses my heart. I want to say this. We must search the heart. you got to search the heart. The mind cannot utter it. We will then know because the Spirit made intercession for us. Mm. When this happens, now remember, we don't know what to pray for. We don't know the mindset. But then that Spirit maketh intercessions, unuttered groanings, and starts pulling all of that together. And when that happens, let me tell you what happens right here. This is what will happen in your life. Number one, you will be worthy of Him and you will be acceptable to Him. But you can't do that on your own. You can only, that is only made possible by the intercession of the Spirit into those unuttered groanings. Those unuttered groanings, remember that I told you, are secret. You can't utter them. You're not capable. God does it for you. What a Redeemer. What a Savior. Let me remind you of this. What is groaning? I'm going to tell you what groaning is. I'm fixing to be done. It is intense anxiety. It is oppression. It is being burdened and sighing. Those groanings are going on in the heart of a believer secretly according to verse 23. And that sounds like a disaster, Pastor. But it's not. Because our strength has been exposed and that is that the Spirit is making intercession to clean all this mess up. Our weakness is something we cannot even control. I did it. I got through this whole thing. Let me tell you something. We do not know what all God is working in our lives. That make an intercession for us. We have those unuttered groanings going on inside. And there have been so many times, and now after I've studied this for the last three weeks, I realize I do not know what to pray for. Aren't you glad that God makes intercession on our behalf? You know, I, you know, we've all heard the song, and y'all act like you've never listened to country music in your life, and I know you're lying, and I'll forgive you. But we've all heard the old country song, God, those unanswered prayers. Who was that, Garth Brooks? I'm pretending like I don't know. I don't know if there's such thing as that. After reading this passage, we don't know. But you know what? It's okay to have that weakness. It's inbred in us. It's part of being a Christian. And God said, you can't help it, but I can. He said, and because of that, I'm going to make intercession. So what do we do? I'll tell you what we do. We just keep praying. And we keep being fervent, steadfast, all those other things I named out there. You just keep doing them things. And even in our weakness, God in His strength, He'll just take and fix it all. 
So don't leave here today and go, well, I'll write another prayer if you don't know what to pray for. No, you're not going to get the intercession then. You just keep praying and doing the right thing, and God will make the intercession on your behalf. Aren't you glad that God makes intercession for us in our ignorance and our weakness? Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad he's been there for me. And that is what this verse actually means to us. And I'm going to call this person. I'm going to talk to them about it because they had it all misconstrued, just like nearly I did. I didn't understand this whole verse. But uh, it's a beautiful story. And then let me tell you this. So when you study verse 26 and verse 27, and you get all into this helping infirmities and him making all these intercessions for us and the unuttered groanings that's in our heart, and then you get to verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. It brings on a whole new meaning to verse 28 when you really get a hold of verse 26 and 27.